0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Welcome to Squawk Box. Here are your headlines today. U.S. private sector jobs surged by almost half a million in June, blowing past expectations as the red-hot American labor market shows little sign of easing. Attention now turns to today's non-farm payrolls report. Equities and bonds sell off as investors increase bets on the Fed extending its hiking cycle later into the year. The US two-year yield hits its highest level since 2007, while Europe's stock 600 suffers its steepest one-day drop since March.
0: Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen touching down in China in a bid to thaw the frosty relationship between Washington and Beijing with healthy competition between the world's two largest economies, topping the agenda. And Samsung forecasts a, wait for it, 96 per cent plunge in quarterly operating profit in what would be the South Korean chip giant's worst showing since 2009.
1: ThyssenKrupp Nisera prepares to make its debut in Frankfurt in one of Europe's largest listings this year, with the hydrogen firm pricing its IPO at €20 per share. Giving it a market cap of two and a half billion euros. We can be hearing from the CEO at 945 CET.
0: I'm just languidly lounging against something I'm not supposed to languidly be lounging against, and right, uh, right. I may well be covering up a certain word which the viewers can see.
1: I think we're just, you know, uh, hanging out of the wall. Just hanging out of the wall like we Stretching do at six a.m. Around, on a Friday. Yeah, just, you know, I'm covering the up next.
0: word, but everyone knows the word anyway,
1: and it's hot. It is
0: absolutely sizzling. Don't take my word for it. Look at some of the data we've seen of the last 24 hours, and the problem with this hot sizzling labor market is it wasn't in the script. 10 rate hikes in a row, the threat of more to comes was supposed to have doused activity. It was supposed to have sent the US economy into a, a flatter trajectory to perhaps a no growth trajectory, possibly even a recession of mild nature as well. But at the moment, And we don't know about the lag effect because we keep hearing that there's an uh, 18-month cumulative and lagged effect on interest rate rises. But at the moment, the market's beginning to worry. All kinds of markets are beginning to worry that, hang on a second, not only did the central bankers get it wrong before they realised that there was sustained inflation push, i.e. this nonsense about transitory inflation, but now they're worried that actually the Fed and the other central banks around the world still haven't got a handle on it despite these historic rate rises. So
1: so what was fascinating for me yesterday was not that the market had more hot labour market data to contend with. We've seen a, a lot of very strong numbers on the employment front for a long time now. What was interesting to me was that the good news was actually bad news for the market because what we'd heard from a number of commentators, good news on the labour front would actually be good news for the market at this point because it was a sign that we would not be going into recession. But unfortunately it seemed as though the good news was actually too good. So we've gone back to the point where we're now thinking about more rate hikes and whether those rate hikes could actually tilt us into recession and a deeper recession than some had hoped You're for. going
0: to talk through all these markets in a few moments time, but I'll just go through some of the data because I might uh, disagree with Karen over a medium term because I think now there are going to be so many companies, and we've used the phrase already this week, swimming, it's, it's a Buffett phrase, not mine, swimming naked when the tide goes out, and you all know what I'm talking about, it's your cost of finance. So look at this number. That is a big, big number. Does it augur something enormous today? Well, U.S. companies added close to half a million jobs last month. That is more than doubles, double the analyst expectations, which, which picks many questions. What are the analysts getting paid so much money for? But there you go, <laughs> more than double the analyst expectations, according to ADP data. Now, this is private hiring. It surged by 497,000 in June. That is well ahead of the 267,000 gain in May. Meanwhile. Job cuts fell to an eight-month low. Now, there's all kinds of stuff I want to talk about in this as well, but uh, the Wall Street Journal has pointed out, in fact, others have pointed out as well, construction jobs, just as one subsector, there's many bits of detail we can go into. Construction jobs, wait for this, were up 97,000. What does that mean? That is the highest increase on a monthly basis in at least a decade. Think about that given the economic environment, quite extraordinary. Well, ADP's chief economist is Neela Richardson, wonderful lady, we spoke to her here on set uh, not so long ago, didn't we? And anyway, she told our colleagues Stateside yesterday why we saw such a big jump in the consumer facing sectors.
1: June is traditionally a strong hiring month It happens pretty much every year uh, when there's not a big pandemic closing things down. And what we were seeing is that the strength came in consumer
2: facing industries.
1: So leisure and hospitality, that's been strong all year. It's been the stalwart of the recovery. Education and healthcare had a strong month. That's after showing weakness, the previous month with the private sector data. Uh, and so these sectors are really people to people jobs, consumer facing jobs, Saw big retail hiring. Um, those were the ones that took flight.
0: I'm doing all kinds of reveals so i'm sure there's a better technical way of doing it but i'm standing in front of another big bit of data because i want to go through this uh i'll just stand like this for a while uh, elsewhere the latest jobs report on jolt i'm always fascinated by jolt showed vacancies declined in may but we still got a uh, what was it uh 1.6 openings for every one unemployed person. Out there. that's down from 1.8 in april so a significant decline but still interesting but the number i'm hiding is this not very hiding it very well am i this is the quits rate right but it rose by the most in nine months. What does that suggest to you? Well, just just think about it. We know what it is, but if you quit, it means you are economically able to quit or you believe you can find another job fairly quickly. I.e. it suggests workers still feel confident in their ability to secure another job. The highest one in nine months, the most construction jobs created in 10 years. Now look, I'm not just taking two individual pieces of data and saying it creates a pattern for the rest of the year. I'm saying it creates a very troubling pattern for policymakers and for those in the market who potentially are very geared up and are slightly concerned about their positioning.
1: I think we're all looking at the here and now what all the data means for for market positioning for the economy. But what does it mean down the track as well? And and the indicator that many have been watching has been the bond markets, the 2, the 10, the inversion that we've been witnessing. And uh, in session yesterday, big step up in that two year we got to the 5% mark. We've been shy of that threshold at the long end, 4.03. So the the basis point inversion, 103 basis points at this stage, still signalling recession. That is the loud message coming through from the bond market. Markets. well US markets don't forget equity markets have not been positioned as bearishly as the bond markets and uh, this has been well of note for a lot of investors just how bullish the trade has been but stocks were vulnerable yesterday they took on board the data from the jobs market we're setting up for the non-fund payrolls number today and you can see it was a sell across the board the Dow down one percent about eight tenths off the p and the NASDAQ crucially if you're looking at the stocks that were dragging down the index it was those consumer sensitive areas of the market Home Depot for instance for the likes of the Dow. Don't forget, this is one of those stores a lot of Americans would go into, spend a lot of the discretionary income. That was the stock that was underperforming for the Dow yesterday, and it was Amazon. No explanation needed. There were all those extra purchases coming through the door onto porches. That was the stock moving to the downside for the S&P and for the Nasdaq. In terms of the US markets over the course of this week, as we factor in some of those losses, you can see it has been a lower trade. Not much in the way of actual trading sessions, given a day and a half was taken out, but uh, down by 1.4 on the Dow versus uh, about eight tenths plus on the S&P. The Nasdaq, Telling you there's been a few issues there as well. It hasn't been a one-way story around the AI journey. There have been issues around semiconductors earlier in the week. Yesterday, actually, we saw a fairly decent sell-off in the FANG Plus stocks, about 1.9%. And the big momentum names, this uh, includes the likes of Tesla on the ARC Innovation Fund. They were down even more, 3.8%. So, steam didn't come out of the tech sector yesterday, although it was one of the better performers, say, versus energy, which explains the outsized downbeat performance that you've seen even over the course of this week on the Dow. To the European close by comparison and this is where we step up the selling. It has been uh, one area that has been very much underperforming over the course of this week and thanks to this trade yesterday where we saw more than 2% stripped off the FTSE, the DAX, the FTSE maybe in Italy and even more off the French market right down at the bottom of the bunch down more than 3% by the close of that trading session yesterday. So investors very much taking stock of these markets over the course of the week. Let's just see how this translates because it hasn't been an isolated day of selling and in fact we're just adding to some of the other weakness we've seen in other trading sessions. So we're down more than three percent on the UK stock market, 3.8 off the DAX. The FTSE down uh, two and a half in Italy, and 4.3 down for the French market. So it has been. A very weak start to the second half trading pattern that we've seen on these European boards. Let me take you to the European yields by comparison. uh, This is what we're seeing, 2.63. Again, we've stepped up on this yield in uh, the uh, German market. We were around the 2.5% mark, so we're elevated there now. 4.38 on Italy, we're 4.65 on the gilt here in the UK, and 3.18 on France. So there has been some pressure coming through the bond market on these yields, Steve.
0: Brilliant work, Karen. Okay, come and join us because we've got a great guest in a few moments time us futures i want to keep telling you these throughout the show because <laughs> I, I honestly wouldn't expect anything else uh, and what i'm looking at here uh you know if you're shaving in front of the mirror and you're just listening rather than watching uh, the fact is they're flat as a pancake uh, as you pretty much as you can have because why would you now move your positioning unless you've got a little bit of jigging around to do just ahead of what is going to be an enormous set of data later on. Well, it's the jobs report stateside, uh, likely to show non-farm payrolls increase by 225,000 last month. I've got to be honest with you. I do think there are subtle parts behind the headline number that are more important. For instance, I think the AHE number, the average hourly earnings number, absolutely pivotal. Unemployment rate, well, it's going to probably tick up, isn't it? Uh, And also have a look at the participation rate as well. That could be interesting. So the unemployment rate, as I say, expected to have retreated from... uh, uh, the seven-month high, uh, falling to around about 3.6%. I beg your pardon, it was 37 last time, wasn't it? Ticked up 0.3% last time. Uh, anyway, it's seen down 10 basis points on the month. Uh, just had a great chat with Neil Wilson, who's the CEO of EJF Investment Management. I've just stolen that from you. I didn't mean to do that. Um, but, but Neil was talking about some of the subtleties in the, in the data as well, which means it's, it's, it's a more nuanced picture.
3: Yeah, no, I do think it's a little bit more nuanced. I mean, the number, the print was huge. Um, and the construction number was was large, but I would point out that most of those jobs were in lower wage jobs, you know, the leisure and hospitality sector. Um, so I, I, I think in construction, um, I think that a lot of that is driven, you know, certainly by the home builders who have had quite a run, um, but the mortgage rates are ticking up. As the tenure ticks up, the mortgage rates tick up. So now it's 6.8% for a 30-year mortgage. You're going to see some weakening there. So I do think that there is some opportunities for investors to look at shorting the home builders. I think that's an interesting area.
1: The short versus the medium long-term picture seems very difficult when we're looking at some of the data points. And the same story with non-farm payrolls today. We could get a, a fairly decent headline number, right? But the market also looking beneath the hood for what some of the detail looks like. The amount of hours worked, for instance, whether there's a sign that the employers who have been hoarding workers since COVID are actually cutting back on hours before eventually maybe cutting back on jobs. How important do you think it is when it comes to some of these individual components now of the series?
3: Yeah, I think you really do have to look under the, under the hood on these numbers. And so, for example, large employers are not hiring. Um, that, that has come down. The wage, as I mentioned, wages have come in. Um, I think the, the most important uh, index that the, the Fed looks at, you know, the PCE, you know, the Personal Consumption Expenditure Index, that has come down below 4%. Um, so there's a lot of, and, and, and I was telling Steve that, you know, what we're seeing is in banks uh, that they're just not lending. And, and that, that's, a, that's a phenomenon that started in November of last year. It is accelerated, obviously, since March and what happened in March with the liquidity crisis. So if you hold these rates, you know, they're going they to increase, you know, the market's telling you 25 basis points in uh, later this month, but it, they're going to potentially break something. And, and so where's that going to happen? The break's going to be in Corporations trying to roll over their debt—it's going to be—it's going to be, uh, it's going to be in, in commercial real estate, and and I think that's the concern that I have. We've had you know you know so many in the rate cuts of the last year or rate increases of the last year have been so accelerated. I think you really could have an un un uh, you know kind of unanticipated problem. And that's what history tells you.
1: We were debating this around the set yesterday as to, to whether the Fed could break something this time around. Because in the past, if you have Volcker-like characteristics, you actually do break things. But the market doesn't believe the central bank is on that page anymore because of all the extra stops that they've, they've put into the market to ensure that they've protected investors, protected the economy over recent years. If we've got a change of thinking and the Fed will break, break something, what can it break that is acceptable?
3: Well, like like I said, I I I mean where I would look is commercial real estate, and in particularly acceptable
1: though if it breaks commercial real estate. No,
3: I I I think the Fed's making a mistake. I think I think uh, the Fed should not raise even from here. That would be because you you, the it takes a while. Back when Volcker, back in 1980 81 when he was raising rates, it took 18 months to have an actual strong impact on inflation, and the Fed seems to be. You know, very focused on wage, you know, kind of inflation, and that's a lagging indicator, and they shouldn't be looking at that as how you bring that down. So they can overshoot, and I think that's that's what we're watching. That's what we're
0: Markets have done very little this week, considering what's been thrown at them by, you know, jolts, ADP, uh, Fed minutes. It's a shortened week. I give it a hasten to point out, of course, as well. But but the fact is, you know, the S and is only down 0.9 percent for the week. The Nasdaq's only down 0.8 percent for the week. It's, it's not much of a shock to the system, considering the rally we've had uh, so far this year. Is valuation support? A worry, though, for this, these markets, when you're looking for a reason to hang on to stocks as well at the moment, you've got this plethora, this cacophony of noise coming on the data front, which is quite worrying uh, for many, albeit with nuances, and I appreciate that as well. Where's the valuation support for the market or, or isn't there?
3: Well, I, I think, look, you've had eight stocks. You've had the FANG stocks. You've had NVIDIA. Yeah. You've had the AI. Eight stocks are driving this market. The rest of the market's only up, I think, 2% for the year. Yeah. So I, I think from a valuation perspective, as long as you're looking beyond – you know, those, those stocks, there are opportunities to make money. Um, for example, one area where we focus on is banks. So small banks, some, and again, it, banks are challenged, there's going to be more regulations, there's going to be more capital requirements, but some of these small banks are trading at 50% of book value. I mean, there's some hey, interesting hey. opportunities there.
0: Welcome to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it, Neil, but you're 50% of book value. I'll trump that with a 30 to 40% of book value for a large number of big European banks. Um, they're trading at a premium. And, and given what you just said about more regulation coming down the pipe, more rules, uh, more delinquencies, less uh, lending, perhaps tighter NIMS as well. Is now the right time, though? And I get what you're saying about the 50% book to value. I've looked at this sector for a long time, and I'm like, uh, bear in mind, the U.S. has significantly traded above one on the price to book in the banking sector for a long time as well, let alone what your JPs of this world have been up to as well. Is And I hear what you're saying, but is now the right time?
3: Uh, look, I think I think on the debt side, it's a little more interesting because you're protected uh, much better. And so um, I, your point about the return on equity for banks is going to be challenged. Um and it's going to be challenged for a while because regulation takes a while to have again uh, uh, an impact. But on the debt side, you know, the AT1 market just moved, cr- in, you know, incredibly strong after the Credit Suisse, you know, kind of uh, crisis. Um, you know, there are there are opportunities, and so that's that's where I would say you should look is really in the less risk, you know, on the on the debt side. And look, capital requirements, at least certainly for the U.S., are going to go up. There's going to be more issuance of debt by banks. Could be very interesting on a selective basis. Can
1: we ask you uh, how Europe is positioned because there's been a horrible start to the second half that we've seen on the European boards so far this week. A lot of fund managers keep saying, look, we're we're interested in buying into Europe. But that's just not uh, in lockstep with what we've seen in terms of market performance this week. A piece of research both of us were looking at this morning as to why you would stretch out your bets beyond U.S. markets. And this is from Trek saying, effectively, you may not want to because if you look beyond the S&P 500 to the all-country XUS, much more cyclical index than the United States uh, just by waiting on financials, industrials, materials, energy. And uh, this may give you much more risk at a time when we're talking about potential potential recession. Is the U.S. market a safe bet? Is that why we're seeing it a little bit more supported than Europe?
3: I I think absolutely. And I think you had a technical recession first quarter in in the Eurozone. So um, I I think there were, you know, from from a a U.S. perspective, most U.S. managers tend to be and and asset managers tend to be underweight Europe. So I think there was a time where you would say, okay, you know, Europe is actually you know, coming out of things a little bit better than the U.S. Um, but no, I think you're, you're very, your point about being constructive on the U.S. maintains.
0: Um, I love having you around the desk this morning. So thank you very much, Dave, for coming. I know it's one of the easiest things. What time to get up? I've <laughs> uh, got up. I got up
3: early, got up early. <laughs> especially from a US perspective. <laughs> Absolutely. Find not yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> necessarily. Have a little kip in the afternoon. You know the trick. Uh, lovely to see you, sir. Thank, thank you very, you very much. much. Have a wonderful weekend and, and uh, happy Independence Day week. There you go. I don't think it's too late to say happy, but there you go. Uh, Neil Wilson, CEO of EJF Investment. Uh, I guess that's management. Is it or manager? EGF Capital. EGF Capital, there you go. They got that wrong, or I got it wrong. Uh, Just moving on, our U.S. colleagues will tackle the prospect of further rate hikes today with the Chicago Fed President, that's Austin Goolsbee. Uh, That exclusive interview is coming up at 1730CT. You've got all kinds of things going on, haven't you? You've got your payroll, you've got your Goolsbee, lots going on.
1: We've got more to come this hour and throughout the show, including Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has touched down in China as she bids to repair the relationship between Beijing and Washington. But how much success will she have? Sam will join us with more later this half. Plus, hydrogen firm ThyssenKrupp Nucera prepares to make its debut on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange as Europe's IPO market looks to spark into life. We'll hear from the CEO at 9.45 CET. And at 8.30 CET, we'll hear from the co-president of French think tank Cirque des Economistes ahead of its meeting this weekend with policymakers and politicians set to descend on the south of France. We'll cross live to Charlotte in aix en ECB President Christine Lagarde says while inflation is starting to fall, it's still too high and set to remain elevated through 2025. In an interview from the south of France, Lagarde signaled the central bank still has work to do in bringing down inflation. She added that firms will need to reduce their profit margins and raise wages to help restore purchasing power. Lagarde will join French finance minister Bruno Le Maire, the BOE governor Andrew Bailey and other leaders at this year's economic forum in Aix-en-Provence. The event comes after protests and riots broke out across France following the death of a 17-year-old at the hands of police in the Paris suburb of Nanterre. The employer group, the movement of the enterprises of France, says last week's riots have already cost businesses more than one billion euros in damage. Let's get out to Charlotte. She does join us from Aix-en-Provence. Charlotte, I love that you're following this. Some of the central bankers around who've gone from Sintra in summer now to the south of France. Not bad in terms of locations, but apparently that's where all the challenges are as we talk about inflation. So just run us through today's agenda.
2: Yes, indeed, Karen, some good locations there. Well, it was interesting because uh, last year when we came here at the Rencontre Économique which is a bit of the who's who of French business, I always attend several ministers, as you said, central bankers and CEOs, etc. Last year, the whole conversation was about, you know, we were just after uh, a legislative election here in France, also the war in Ukraine, whether Russia was going to cut to cut gas to Europe altogether for the winter, etc. Et so that was a conversation last year. Uh, this year, it's all about higher interest rates, of course, inflation, whether we're going to have weaker economy going ahead but of course in the French context as you were just mentioning there's a question of what those riots that happened at the weekend and the theme of the conference this year is renewing hope so it sounds to come very uh, very much uh, perfect in the context and we'll have several ministers attending here including Prime Minister Elisabeth Borne will be here uh, Bruno Le Maire who will be in Marseille uh, this afternoon he already gave an interview this morning at uh, some of the local press he will be in Marseille this afternoon with Marseille one of the cities where there was a lot of clashes over the weekend it will be coming here then uh, for the conference a lot of the talks will be of course what the government is doing after we saw these riots in the country that made according to the Medev the Employees Association about 1 billion euros of damage the government have put in place some measures to help accelerate some of the claims uh, for a lot of these businesses thousands of small businesses included that had been damaged so they're working on this the government has been on the road across the country to meet uh, mayors and business owners that have been affected by those riots uh, the President himself, President Macron, was on the Tour de France route uh, around Po yesterday, but he's hitting the road as well. So Bruno Le Maire already here this afternoon. Uh, love central bank governors. Of course, the conversation very much will be on Macro as well. Andrew Bailey, uh, Mr. Centeno, Hernandez Ecos from Spain, they will all be here speaking over the weekend. Also we'll have an interview tomorrow. One of uh, Joe Biden's economic advisor, uh, advisor Heather Boucher, will talk about those non-farm payrolls coming later. Uh, the talks on the Fed potentially ha- hiking rates again. So We'll have all these conversations over the weekend here in X.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
1: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.